Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Strong podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and stronger life. Building a life that you love starts with you owning your health and intentionally creating the best version of yourself. So if you're looking to better understand how proper nutrition, daily movement, mindset work, and strength training can help you create a life full of happiness and health, then you are in the right place. I genuinely hope the tips, tricks, and information we share will be your catalyst for change. I'm your host, Lauren Heiser. It's time to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, wanted to dive down Dr. Kelly Sturette's biography because I want to make sure you guys understand everything that Kelly brings to the table. Dr. Kelly Sturette is a coach, a physical therapist, an author, a speaker, and along with his wife, Juliet, Kelly co-founded The Ready State. The Ready State began as Mobility Watt in 2008 and has gone on to revolutionize the field of performance therapy and self-care. Kelly received his Doctorate of Physical Therapy degree in 2007 from Samuel Merritt College in Oakland, California. Kelly's clients include professional athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. He's worked with Olympic gold medalists, Tour de France cyclists, world and national record-holding Olympic lifting and power athletes, CrossFit Games medalists, ballet dancers, military personnel, and competitive age division athletes. If you haven't noticed, guys, he does a little bit of everything. Kelly is an author of New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. I own both those books, fantastic books. And he also co-authored with his wife, Juliet, the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Deskbound. In his latest book, Waterman 2.0, he offers water sport athletes a comprehensive guide to optimize movement and pain-free performance. Kelly and his work have been featured on 60 Minutes, The View, The Joe Rogan Experience, CBS Sports, Outside Magazine, Men's Health, Men's Journal, and dozens of other podcast magazines and books, including Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Body and Tools of Titans. Guys, we are, we are blessed to have Dr. Kelly Starrett on the show. He brings such a unique um, angle and ideas into health and fitness and performance and wellness for the youth athlete, for the professional athlete, and then for the regular Joe, for the regular adult. And it's it's so interesting, just the the, the scope of how, how things are different, but then how things are the same. And and I'm just going to let you guys dive right into the show, but, but Kelly is fantastic. Please, please, please check out thereadystate.com for everything that, that, you know, Kelly references in there. If you want to make yourself just, just feel better, perform better. Um, again, whether you're, you're an athlete or you're, you're middle-aged and, and trying to get out of pain, some great, great stuff there. Guys, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm your host, Adam Lane with me today, Dr. Kelly Starrett. Kelly, thanks for joining us, bud. Really appreciate your time. Uh, super major pleasure. I mean, that's not a major pleasure. It's a super major pleasure. Which is, which is much better than just a regular pleasure. Yeah, and uh, let's be honest. Anytime you can start a Monday morning with uh, a nerd call where we get to nerd out, I'm, I'm deeply in. I'm, I am, that's all I think about. Because we're going to go through the weeds on this one. We're going to dive deep. Oh, boy. Everyone, hold on to your butts. Yes. No stone left unturned. Let's so go. I think, Kelly, let's the go. important stuff here, the most important stuff here, hamstring implants, where do you get them? Best place. Oh, you know, um, I really appreciate that you led with that. The internet thinks that I have calf implants and that's a lie. I just want everyone to know it's not true. Um, you know, my wife and I became obsessed with calf implants for a minute because we watched that, that MTV episode where the kid gets calf implants. Remember that? Uh, there's uh, like a, there's a certain age where people remember this. It was like the first show on MTV talking about plastic surgery. And this guy's like, no one takes me seriously because my calves are small. And then he gets these calf implants. And like he's crippled and then literally his whole life comes together at the end. He's like, you know, like I got the girl, my dog came back like a country Western song all because of calf implants. <laughs> saved, saved his life. Really? Uh, you know, uh, and that really is, I think the perfect entree and what we should be talking about today, which is, you know, the internet has confused us about aesthetics versus performance versus entertainment. I yeah. think we're really confused about those three things right now. And it's made a hot mess of trying to, you know, parse out what is essential and how do we go faster and not intentionally be less gross, less hurt. Yeah. So let, 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 let's dive into that. So we, we, we talked before we hit the record button here. We, we do a lot of training of athletes, um, really athletes of all, you know, all, all, all sports, um, a lot of volleyball though, a lot of jumping, landing, cutting, um, middle school kids, high school kids, college kids, um, even some professional athletes in there. Um, 
in the way of you have high school daughters, they're doing sports. There's a lot going on. How do you, if you're talking to specifically the high school athlete or maybe the parents of the high school athlete, yeah. there's so much, there's so much, there's sleep, there's eating, there's, you know, the, you know, lifting weights, getting jacked. There's actually the sport, you know, that they're practicing to, in which to get better. How, what are, what are people doing? Not enough of, what are they doing too much of? What do they need to do more of? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? So um, let's divide this into in season, out of season. So the goal of the whole goal of in season, anything lifestyle, environment, training, everything is to support the sport. And can you get stronger and support the sport? Yes. Can you get fitter and support the sport? Yes. Can you, but suddenly what you realize is that if we just take a macro view and say sport is an additional stressor in season is an additional stressor, then how do we support stress? Well, an additional load, it means that we if your kids don't sleep eight hours a night, welcome to your part of the problem, which means that you have to have a real conversation with them about getting off tech, getting off phone, setting boundaries of sleep. And sometimes that's going to be tricky when the kids have homework and they're seniors and applying to college. I mean, that's, you're going to just be always, you'll never, you'll never land that plane once you're going to come in every single night and have this next conversation. And, and that's what people should not understand that that's a feature, not a bug. And one of the things then is you can start to say, well, do my kids have all the micronutrients and macronutrients they need to succeed? Well, you know, one of the things we feel strongly in our house is I make breakfast every day, which means that I can control the micronutrients going into my kids and leave them out the house with some, with some protein and some, you know, some vitamin C and a few, a few fruits. And at least I know that they, they're starting the day sort of prepped, right? We drink emergency at our house. Um, we use, we love the Nordic naturals, you know, and, um, so what we're trying to do here is say, okay, what are the essentials that support that? My kids leave the house with a water bottle because they found that if they actually have a water bottle, they'll drink water during the day. That's a huge performance, you know, gap, you know, differentiator. So what we're then looking at is, well, how much additional strength and conditioning movement can I handle during the, during the week? When my kids are playing, you know, this last week we, we played two huge games of water polo. Plus we had a water polo tournament where they played another huge amount through their school. It was just like a, a you know, a high school water polo. So how much additional loading am I putting on in there? And the answer is none during this week. But another week where I have a little bit of agency and some control, maybe it's 20 or 30 minutes where I'm, you know, trying to manage you know, a little bit of movement snack, a little bit of support. Hey, we're going to do some split squats. We're going to press, right? We're going to do some muscle snatches just for the shoulders. What we suddenly see then is, again, the, the macro view is how am I supporting these athletes so they can be successful in the season? Then when you take a step back and that season ends, then we can have a different conversation about how much more training can we handle because the volume of the, and the demands of the sport. What you said very early on, you describe the populations that you serve. There's two, two I'm an, an adult and I'm coming to the gym to try to get all the things I need in an hour, mm -hmm. right? That's, that is what I come to a gym. I want to be shredded. I want to be strong. I want to be durable. I want to have some friends. I need cardio. I need biceps. That's why I'm coming to the gym. Kids are coming to the gym, not for those reasons and definitely not in season. They're coming to be to become more bulletproof in their sports so you can support them so they can be better learners. Those are completely divergent experiences. And we need to sort of separate that out. And one of the problems with traditional strength and conditioning programs is they potentially do not take into consideration that people are actually doing sports. And then if I jump into your wicked in-season program, my kid, I'm going to be smoked. My athletes are going to be smoked and they're going to, their training volumes are going to go down in their sport and their competitions are going to suck because you're spending all this time and energy training. So suddenly what you can do then is drop into people's programming and looking at what they're prescribing and say, Oh, is this a person actually working with athletes doing sport? Is this a person working with athletes who are out of season? Or is this a person trying to do general health training where we're trying to give all the micronutrients to people who don't do any other thing, right? I sit at a cubicle. Now I'm going to come and get a fire hose of movement 
and that's going to take care of my thing three to five times a week. Again, if you drop in and just try to do the programming that we're seeing for general health or GPP, you're, what you're going to end up is falling on your face. You're going to degrade your athlete's performance and you're going to add an additional stressor that they cannot swallow. That means that that is a constant conversation of going up and going down. There are, there are weeks where I make my girls go out to the gym and do five sets of 10 kettlebell swings and five sets of three floor press and then we're done. And then there are some weeks where we can get a little bit more volume. And there are some weeks where I'm like, you don't need to go to the gym at all. I just need you to train and sleep and manage. So I think that helps to ferret out what is essential. And then we can talk about my personal beliefs about what is what we should be doing in the gym separately. But once we establish those kind of buckets, then we can at least begin to understand what we're seeing. We, we yearly will do some type of nutrition presentation for, for athletes and make sure that, Hey, you know, these, these are the, you know, foundational things, mm. not, nothing exciting, you know, you know, eat your protein, get your, you know, electrolytes here, fruits and veggies, blah, blah, simple, simple, simple stuff. Um, I can't tell you how many, but, parents but does, it doesn't happen. It's it, not it, happening. It does. Well, it's funny that I talked to one of our, one of our, the moms of one of our kids. She's like, I'm so glad you do that. Or you did that. Um, yesterday, all my daughter had to eat was, before practice. So this is practice is uh, uh, whatever, seven o'clock at night before practice, she had a piece of pizza and some gummy bears. Um, so like, I, I don't know if Olympic records were set on piece of pizza and gummy bears, but they probably were. They probably were very good athletes. Um, yeah. You know, that's funny. It, how. it shows us, you know, and you know, from a, from a fuel standpoint, you know, what we can say is, Hey, that's not consistent with what our understanding is, you know, is, and the real question is, do I think pizza and gummy bears are part of a high school diet? Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Show me you've eaten fruits and vegetables and had some protein and then eat some gummy bears. Like, you know, like uh, I'm down, you know what I mean? Like seven o'clock at night, you need a little bump before practice. A handful of gummy bears is not the limiting factor yeah. there. That is, you know, what I want to, the next conversation is, well, what did you, what did your daughter eat for lunch? You know, had, she ate lunch at 12 and then she got to seven and was starving so what you realize is that you didn't constrain the environment or set your daughter up to have successful practice because she went and she was like, well, what's around? What's available? What do I have? What's, what's palatable? I'm going to default to that. You know, my wife is a genius and cuts up massive amounts of fruits. You know, we, you know, we have those things around when our kids, let me give you an example. When our kids and I can do this sometimes, my kids hit the door after practice, they're wrapped in towels, heads are wrapped up in towels, right? They've just practiced. I make a charcuterie board of apples, a little cheese, some salami, some hummus, and they come in and they smash that. <laughs> Literally standing, dripping wet, smashing something. And then we've got a little window before practice, before we can hit that door or, or before dinner so that we're not making bad decisions. They're not reaching for chips or reaching for, you know, self-soothing or whatever is easy and, and highly, you know, palatable. We make sure that our girls go to practice and they've got a Z bar. Like is a cliff Z bar, the greatest food on the world? No, it's a candy bar, but at least it's got some whole food nutrition. It's a small kid size one and they'll smash that right before they jump in the pool. And at least I know that we've topped them off. And again, I'm not saying, hey, your child who's eating three meals a day doesn't need massive amounts of, you know, triathlon fueling to go do a practice. But if they've eaten lunch at 12 and practices at five, you know, having a snack an hour before means that they perform better and feel better. And then we don't see those, hey, what is that you're eating? Give me those gummy bears. Give me that bag of candy, right? You, I mean, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many kids I see that, and we have some fantastic kids, some brilliant kids, and they'll stay up till, you know, two o'clock in the morning, study for AP blankety blank. And then they will they'll wake up late because they're tired because they went to bed so late, you know, and That's right. breakfast because why would you wake up 10 minutes earlier and eat breakfast? Because you're tired because you stayed up so late. And then all of a sudden lunchtime comes, but no, they, they had to go back in and, and, you know, do more AP blankety blank, <laughs> you know, studying. That's and right. That's they'll, right. They'll like fast all the day. And then you know, get done with the test and be, and then realize that they're, they're starving and, you know, try to put out for a, a two and a half hour practice. And it just, yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's where we get confused about, well, what is the right fueling, you know, in that situation, you know, I want to make sure that my kids could drink some carbohydrate during practice. Right. Oh. So what we want to do is educate our kids 
into being consistent for the heroic. Yeah. You know, literally sometimes my daughter, my oldest daughter doesn't like, she's not interested in breakfast. She's not, she's not hungry. She's not interested in, she's been like that her whole life. So at least now, and, and what I'm what I'm going to just like sit down, eat these pancakes. It's never going to happen. My other daughter, breakfast is the most important meal of the day for her. And so with Georgia, what we figured out is if I can get a protein and a fruit in her, she gets an apple or half an apple and some sausage, right? Then an emergency, like she's left capped off. You know, she doesn't want to eat, but at least I've got a block in there and I'm not going to go till lunch without being fed as an athlete. Look, do, am I worried about a kid missing meal? I've never seen a kid you know, in, in Western states, there's a lot of food insecure kids. That's not what I'm talking about, you know, but I'm talking about athletes and they don't starve missing a single meal, yeah. right? That's not a problem. But in season, what we have learned is kids, adults who intermittent fast, they love it for calorie control and body composition, go work out at four o'clock and their fueling is behind and they suck mm-hmm. and they wonder why they suck. And I'm like, well, you went 16 hours without eating and then when you did eat, you had a salad because, and some, you know, salmon, and that was an incomplete protein source for this two hour blast that you did. So again, it's, we find, and the research supports this, that, you know, intermittent fasting is a tool. And again, intermittent fasting is, or time restricted eating is the same as I'm too busy for breakfast, whatever, <laughs> however you get there, it's to get there. And what we find is that that is an incomplete fueling strategy for working athletes and kids who need to go. So what you need to do as an adult is create a whole lot of options for your kids so that it's easy. My the thing that I studied and became really interested in is looking at barriers to adherence. What keeps people from doing what we think is the best practice, the best program, the the most successful and it turns out it's another step. Yeah. So if I put in one piece of resistance, but if there's two pieces of resistance, it's never going to happen. So in this situation you know, do I think a food bar, you know, some kind of protein bar, is that a food? No, that's a candy bar. But what we found out is that Fair Life shakes from Costco were emergencies and at least gave my athletes and my kids support so that they could have something palatable. They would tolerate it. You know, my oldest daughter, Georgia, hates protein bars. Like it's my greatest failure as a dad, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, cause Juliet and I grew up like we are children of the seventies. Like we're, you know, we're all, and like the protein bar was like a revelation and, and what it represented for us is like, we're going to be wealthy enough someday where we can afford all the protein bars we want. Right. And we grew up with power bars and like the yes. worst bars ever. Terrible. Gross. Rip, ripped out of my teeth. But Georgia has a single bar she'll eat. And uh, you know, and I'm like, Hey, maybe there's two brands. She's like, don't, don't push your luck dad. I'll eat this one bar. You know? So sending her out with an emergency pocket in case we mess up or again, charcuterie when they hit the door or making sure that your kids are eating breakfast and you're watching them eat breakfast, you know, eating a thing, you know? And so suddenly when we do that, then we can have the conversation of, well, do you think split squats are enough and what, you know what I mean? But we're putting the cart before the horse like we do in everything. So back, back in the day, I, I did the triathlon thing really hot and heavy for about 15 years. The only thing I was really good at because I was never a good runner or great runner, great biker, great swimmer, but you put the three together and I being mediocre at all three made me pretty good at, you know, (laughs) but we we would take the power bars, take them out of their package and put them like attach them to the bike, just stick them to the bike. And they would stick to the bike for a 50 mile ride, you know, 70 mile ride, 80 mile with no problem. And at the time I thought, wow, this is cool. At the time I did not think to myself, maybe I shouldn't be eating this. This is weird. If it's attaches to a bike, if it sticks to the outside of a bike for 80 miles, you know, four or five hours. Yeah. And, eh. we, so we know that eating is better than not eating that we know that carbohydrate is King. So now the question is, is there a better solution than a malt nut power bar in the moment? Right. That's palatable, digestible, portable. Well, that precludes that there was a lot of steps beforehand where I had a peanut butter and honey sandwich that was hyper palatable or, you know, what we know is that the key to, to long-term performance is whole food nutrition. What I would suggest that everyone do is watch these all or nothing videos or, or the going to Amazon prime and watch how they're working with, 
you know, uh, Tottenham Hotspurs or watch one of these documentaries about premier soccer. And at the halftime, look at what is being consumed. And there's a cart and there are different shakes in the cart. And there's a little bit of fruit juice for a rinse and, and realize that you're like, wow, here is a billion dollar club, multi-billion dollar club. And they have access to everything. Watch what they're eating. Athletes are showing up and they're being fed on site with incredible food. Um, one of my coach friends, just who's an Olympic sprinting coach, just went and did talks at Chelsea and Tottenham and all these different clubs, Manchester. And he compared all of their lunches. And he's like, who's got the best lunch? And every lunch looks like a Michelin star rated restaurant where there's a piece of fish. There's another piece of red meat protein. There's six kinds of vegetables, lots of different rices, fruits, vegetables, right? And they really are, have realized that for these athletes who maybe are not into cooking or don't have time or the interest, that if you had them come to the, to the facility and you fed them, you could guarantee that they're increasing their micronutrients, they're getting enough macros, and you could actually watch some of that thing. So it turns out that at the highest level, feeding whole foods to your athletes ends up being a performance advantage. Okay, well, this is one of the reasons why we do professional sport is to take those lessons and try to transmute and try to change communities, change, transform society. So I ask you, where is all the whole food nutrition in all of our youth sports, if that's the best practice at the top. And what we see is that we're not giving our kids enough whole foods. And now we're trying to give them power bars, micronutrients packaged in the form of vitamins, right? Which is the same thing we're doing in the gym. So if I'm, I'm like, hey, I need you to throw this medicine ball X number of times in all of these different planes and do all this cutting, wouldn't it be great if we just played Frisbee and played indoor soccer and use that as the warm up? So there, I think we need to ask what problems could we solve with more institutionalized, structured behaviors of play? You know, Georgia, my oldest, you know, was part of a founding member of her uh, spike ball club at high school. And last year, every spring, every break, spike ball comes out. And I'll guarantee you, I don't need to do eye tracking drills or lateral movements. I don't need to get her cutting. If she goes and plays an hour of spike ball, needs met, mischief managed. And what we really have forgotten is that play, games, you know, then we can come in and say, well, what are we missing? All right, here's a multivitamin. All right, we're going to big, big gap. Here's a food bar. Oh, there's a, oh, I see, we're not hitting this. You're not, you need some technique when you're doing a vertical jump off the net. That's a push press. We're going to work on push presses and muscle snatches, getting you to dip. So suddenly the gym supports isn't the all, you know, the nutrition is supported with, with tools that makes it easier to fuel. It isn't the all, but that's where we're losing our minds. Yeah. Yeah. How and we, we glanced over a little bit earlier, talk about, you know, sleep. If you're not getting eight hours of sleep, you're, you're absolutely missing the boat. Yada, yada, yada. I know that's really hard for so many of our, um, you know, young kids with, with hours on hours of homework, um, they're taking AP classes, yada, yada, yada. Can you tie in just because obviously you're, you're the, you're the DPT here, the physical therapist talk, talk about the injury piece um, that can come to play with, because I think a lot of kids just, Oh, I'll just tough through it. I, I didn't get much sleep, but that's okay. I'm tough. Um, talk about the injury piece and how that kind of, because that can come into the nutrition piece too. You're, you're malnourished. You're, you're sleeping like garbage. And now all of a sudden you go out and you try to play your sport and you get hurt. And then it's just like, Oh, shucks. Oh, that's just bad luck. And uh, yeah. Uh. So what we should be thinking about is what can we control for? Sport is real. Injuries are going to happen. You're going to turn an ankle. You're going to get blindsided. You're going to get a concussion. You're going to foosh. Thing, things like that are, are endemic and part of the game. That's okay. That's why we play sport. We'll take the risk for the, all of the potential benefits for actually being active and playing. But when we start to control for what we can control for, we hear physios are the worst because they're actually not working in high performance environments. And they say things like injury prevention is not possible. It's impossible to prevent injuries. I'm like, well, I'm not sure I believe that. And let me give you some examples because if I can come up with one example, your hypothesis is off, right? That's it. I just need one counterpoint and your whole hypothesis is off. 
Well, it turns out that when kids are sleep deprived, the injury risk goes through the roof. Why? Because we have decreased arousal, decreased motor control, and there's a whole lot of other things that go along with that poor sleep, poor nutrition, right? Poor hydration. Like you, what you start to see is that that is not only standalone, very true, well-documented that kids who don't sleep well are more likely to get injured. We see that during finals, injury rates skyrocket. We see it during time changes, injury rates skyrocket. So I think it's only like a three times great, three X likelihood of being injured, just three times. Just so three if, times. if you're like, hey, I really don't want my daughter to tear ACL, I'm like, cool, just ensure that she sleeps. Why? Well, forget about just the brain on the day. It turns out what happens when you sleep, you rest and repair. So what we want everyone to understand is that seven hours means that you're surviving. That's surviving. That's cool. That's minimum threshold. That's RDA. If you take this vitamin, you won't get scurvy. That's what that is, right? You're alive as a human. We tell people that if you're trying to grow, you're trying to repair, you're trying to get better at a sport or learn a new skill or pick up you know, a new language, everything, it's eight. Eight is the magic number. But if you start to aggregate, you know, you compile those things where I'm like, oh, I have a growing body. I am learning. I'm trying to get stronger. Maybe eight is really the bare minimum for what we're starting to see and that it maybe is closer to nine yeah. or it's closer to nine and a half or 10. And so suddenly what you realize is we're going to have to make some really strong conversations in our home about what bedtime is. And this is something like our kids know this but it's still something we fight them on all the time. Why? Because my kid wants to have a social life. She wants to FaceTime her friends. She's inefficient because it's more fun to be on the phone and chat, chatting about homework and than it is to go to bed at 10, right? So my youngest daughter is like, I'll be seeing you. She goes to bed. I mean, she just knows that like she's sleep is her, is her superpower. But when we start to have boundaries, this is when we go to bed. If you want to have a phone, you'll have to go to bed. You're going to have to start to say that because otherwise you're part of the problem. And you, and you, what you just said was, is the case where we call it plausible deniability. Well, I don't know. I worked really hard. I, you know, you're, you're going to have to put some of those first principles down and really stand by them. And what I would say is, you know, if you get like, I think you're wearing an aura ring, yeah. right? Get a simple sleep tracker for your, your daughter, for your son, super simple and have them look at the data, have them look at their recovery scores. I'm like, oh, well, you're a 36 today. That sounds like winter. I wonder why your skin is broken out and you feel low energy and you're, you know, you suck. Mm -hmm. And so you, you don't have to use the word low energy. You can just say suck and they'll get the term. <laughs> but the idea is that people will always make decisions based on their best sort of, um, intentions, self-supported intentions, their, their best interests. And if you can be dispassionate about that, it's not my dad telling me to go to sleep, but Hey, I, I want to show you this. What we end up seeing is that kids can make better decisions in season. You know, like our, my rule is like, you know, this week, my daughter is applying for, you know, colleges. She's got, you know, her, she take the SAT again. She runs a cookie business. She has friends, she's captain of the water polo team. She's got a ton of honors classes. She's just crushing herself at a really difficult school. All of those things are happening. Saturday comes, she's finished the big tournament. She had six games last week. She is anchors the defense. She plays every minute. She's like, wow, my abs are sore from this tournament. I'm like, well, that's a good sign. So Saturday night though, she just needs to decompress and lay around and watch some TV. And I'm like, knock yourself out, kid. Have a good sleeping on Sunday. Like let's celebrate, but then we got to get back on the wheel. And so, you know, to your point, if we're going to talk about getting you out of pain or managing your injury or growing or learning a skill or adapting to a stimulus, why is this even a conversation about this? So then we know that if it's difficult to change that behavior, let's go ahead and track it and let's give everyone the information. And then what you'll see is that those big boys and girls you have actually do are confronted with, holy crap. I'm going to even a half hour earlier. If we, let me just tell everyone, if you're listening, if you just got your kids a half hour of sleep, 30 minutes of sleep, make that compromise in seven, two weeks, they've slept an additional night of sleep, right? Two weeks, 
That's seven additional hours over the course of two weeks. So if your child can sleep two extra nights in a month, that's a competitive advantage. All you have to do is make them agree to go to bed 30 minutes early, 30 minutes, that's it. And when we start to see that, then we can let the performance and the feelings drive the rest of the behavior. Yeah. So Ken, I haven't done a lot of water polo, but I, I did do a water polo class in, in college. So for one hour a week for a semester, I basically tried not to drown. Um, I was exhausted. I've, that, that little, whatever, 40 minute class of water polo absolutely crushed my soul. Um, I can't imagine doing it game after game after game after game. I don't, cause basically you're fighting with the ball in water. That's what, what I understand it to be. Um, well, like, like everything, one of the nice things I love about this game, besides the contact and the hand eye and teamwork and is that it's not a physiology sport for children. No. Like, like cross country is a physiology sport. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of things that have to manage, but you know, oftentimes in some sports, we're comparing the physiologies of developing bodies. And I'm, for me, that's less interesting. I like for young people, again, that's super cool. But in, for young people, I prefer when the physiology enables the skill. And what's so fun is that our girls are strong and they, they love, and they've been playing water polo for a long time. My daughter, my youngest daughter is 14 is a freshman. She's the starting varsity goalie. She's just turned 14 in August. She's on her way to 5'10". She has a six foot wingspan. She was born to be a goalie. It's always zero, zero in her head. She's unflappable. She's a mutant. So like, Oh, I'm going to be playing against these 18 year old superstars. It's totally fine. I used to play with 12 and 14 year olds. Now I play with 18 year olds and I'm the starting varsity goalie. Super cool. But that kid, I've seen her tread water for two hours at a big scrimmage practice and not touch the side. And then when the sun's in her eyes, use one hand. And I'm like, dude, if I treaded water for two hours, I would put that on social media. I would brag about it. I'd write it in my journal as a PR. Like, you know, so, you know, the efficiency is amazing. And what I do like about this sport is it necessitates a base level of competency in order to do the sport. And the kids quickly realize, boy, you know what's really fun? Playing water polo and being fit enough to play water polo. You know what's really sucking? Not being fit and trying to play water polo. So again, <laughs> it's a constraint where we can, you know, the kids will figure that out themselves. If you, the, if, at a constraint-led environment for us really solves a lot of problems. Um, I just read this great article in Smorts, Sportsmith. Um, it's, they're a follow on the social. Um, and it was a guy who's worked with a whole bunch of national team volleyball players and, um, in like three different countries for, he's with Germany now, but he talked about, he has 15 minutes to warm up his players. And what he does, instead of some general 15 minute warm up, he creates three, five minute blocks of, you know, Hey, I got to get the tissues warm. I got to prep and prime. Maybe I can get a little bit of movement or restoration in there. If I highly recommend everyone to listen or find this, this article because he has videos up there of how he's taking the Chinese national volleyball team and making them crawl and play games and, and fight each other. And, and what he's done is realize that, hey, this constraint-led environment where the game is you can't come off of one leg and you're trying to beat each other with pool noodles, right? That is much more interesting than jump roping on one leg or doing isometric split squats, which are really great but super boring. So when we can constrain the environment, if you put out food for your kids, they'll eat it, right? If you give them snacks, they'll eat it. If you, then, then we can begin to ask, well, what other things can we do there? And that for us, the water polo is an interesting one because it does facilitate a, a natural need for some base aerobic training and some strength and conditioning. And now my kids are like super into realizing that their advantage of being, being able to muscle snatch is a considerable advantage for, for them being able to throw and never have shoulder pain in the, in the pool. Yeah. What, that, that, that's fantastic. The, if we, if we turn this a little bit more, I mean, and talk about the adults and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I, Zach have a <laughs> podcast a little while ago. Um, and Zach does the same thing. Zach makes breakfast for the family. That's, that, that's what he does. You know, his, he's got a boy and a girl, they eat breakfast before they go. He can't control everything the rest of the day, but does his best right, you know, right there. Um, you, you control two meals. You got yeah. breakfast and you got breakfast and dinner Yeah, and maybe you can get a snack in them. Like that's a lot of control. So we see a lot of our, our, a lot of our adults who are parents to a lot of these kids 
struggle with with nutrition and and working out themselves and and they have stress yeah. work and then they have stress of hey now I'm traveling to different places you know for for these club matches of different things different th- um if we were to come put the adults into this in the way of the the sleep into the nutrition they're not, they're not trying to perform at a high level they're they're regular people um like like you and I you know if we're just looking to be what are any big recommendations or ideas that that differ with anything with the kids or is it is it just the same and we, if you if you're that representative if if you know do as i you know if you if you model it they'll do it type of thing well first of all what's it is good for the goose is good for the gander yeah. so if you if you want your kids not to drink during celebrations every time they get together is that what you do and model with your family so i mean seriously how do you self-soothe and how do you how do your parents how do your kids watch you cope when we, one of the things that we recognize is that we can't run a perfect periodized program. Sometimes we're going to travel for work or, and those end up being my deload days. Yeah. On days where we can't move very much, let's say we had to drive and watch a, you know, get our kid there in time. There's usually a track. And one of the things that we do during the hour before practice is that we walk. And sometimes I'll take my shoes off, walk a 50, jog a 50, walk a 50, jog a 50 until I'm out of time. I sit on the ground. I don't sit on the bleacher and I mobilize and I do static stretching and I do hurdlers. And so while I'm there, I, in a really uncreepy, non, my dad is stretching again sort of way, I can be getting some input into my system. When Juliet and I are traveling for our kids, we're not moving a lot. Guess how much carbohydrate we need on those days? Very little carbohydrate, under 100 grams or less. So what we just say is, well, we're just going to eat fruits and vegetables and proteins today. And there's nothing else. Why we didn't, we, I don't want to say earn your carbs. That's not right. But we don't need additional carbohydrate for fueling. And so what you realize suddenly is if you can, you know, walk, if you can sit on the ground, if you can get some control your diet a little bit, that's a movement practice. And then, you know, manage your sleep when you can. What ends up happening is that creates the same base level of competency so that when it's time to, or you have an opportunity to add in training, that's an additional. I think what's problem is, is that we're all or nothing. It's either exercise, elite performance, plus all the ancillary behaviors, or I'm just smashing croissants and drinking beer and mimosas and not sleeping and not moving. And what we should be doing is saying, hey, look, let's control what we can control. And if I am getting my, you know, Juliet and I really max out our steps on those tournament days. We have spent a lot of time at JO water polo tournaments, you know, where we go and what we'll do is we'll max out how much non-exercise activity we get. So, that at least means that we've loaded our tissues. We're, we're not jump roping on the side of the pool, doing air squats. We don't have to be those people, but we do. And we've started gathering other parents to walk with us. So we go, to, there's always a track next to the high school swimming pool. We'll go walk. Our kids have to be there an hour early. We go walk. So we will control what we can control. And again, I want people to understand that, well, if you don't want to pig out on a bunch of crap, don't bring a bunch of crap, just bring fruits and vegetables and protein with you. And you'll be like, you know, it's easy to, you know, if you, are you really hungry? As one of our friends says, well, why don't you eat a hard boiled egg? And if you don't want to eat a hard boiled egg, chances are you're not really hungry. So, you know, it's okay in those moments to say, Hey, look, I have an intermittent fasted for a while. I'm going to not eat until noon. Why? Because I'm sitting in a bleacher drinking water and I'm not moving my body. So for the parents, you know, you don't need to train like an elite athlete. But I guarantee you there are plenty of windows in there. And what you can do is start to strip out some of the things that are less effective for durable because durability or longevity, because you're going to have a window of opportunity to move. I want to prepare you to take advantage of that, which means you can come home and do a 20 minute Cindy, you know, which is five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and some air squats. I mean, you can work this in. And, you know, Juliet and I, um, there was a time, and I, I want everyone to hear this, is that we have, a, we have a business, we have employees, we have friends, we like to train, we also have two working crazy daughters, like we're average people, we don't get up and write in our grat- gratitude journal and track our macros and like we just, we're not, those aren't, that doesn't work for us because we're, we're smoking, going so fast, but 
one of the things that we invented a long time ago was this thing called the 10, 10, 10 at 10, which was 10 squats, 10 push-ups, 10 kettlebell swings, like 10 pull-ups or 10 burpees at 10 PM for 10 minutes. And what we started to realize is like, Hey, we have come into this phrase of never do nothing. So if you say to yourself, no matter what today, I'm never going to do nothing. I'm always going to do something that could be walking or sitting on the ground or grabbing a, you know, like what you realize is that over the course of seven days, you can get a massive amount of work in. And for the average adult, hear me, adults listening, you don't really care what your deadlift is. You care that you don't look fat. That's the chief reason that adults are exercising is for body composition control, which is a fine reason to exercise, but you're not worried about like, Hey, is my 400 meter time, you know, like it's not, it's not what you're doing. You're running for calorie control, truly and honest. And yes, you may say it's for bone density, but we know the truth. So it's really about, you know, calorie control. So what we know is that, um, you know, if you walk, as compared to exercising for 45 minutes, three to four times a week, walking 15,000 steps, seven days a week, smashes the number of calories done in a, a Peloton workout for 30 minutes. So yes, is a big VO2 max? Yes. Should you swing a kettlebell and load? Yes. Should you lunge? Yes. All of the things that are, we know around good movement practice, but if you're talking about calorie control, get up and start walking obsessively. And over the course of a week, you'll have burned so many more calories that you can have a glass of wine and not worry about it. But what, that's not what's happening. You're trying to solve this problem with some intense Peloton, you know, fat, fat blast thing. And that does not equate moving all day long. Yeah. Of course, that's just my opinion. And I don't mean to trigger you. All you adults who are worried about, you know, gaining, being 50 years old like me and being gross. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's tough because I, I think so many adults do get in that thing where they are, they don't move for 23 hours a day. And then that one hour, they try to go, you know, all out. And you can do that until you, you can't do that anymore. And at some point, something, something goes. And, you know, if those little bursts of, you know, fitness, exercise, yeah, so stretching, act, you know, activity. I, you said it. And so one of the things, again, I want you to be more successful. If your life is set up so that you only have an hour to move one hour a day, how are we going to be more successful in that? So we're realists. So that means, well, if you make a decision to perch, to sit at a bar stool and stand a little bit more, that means that you're going to, and, and maybe you had your coffee while sitting down in the morning. So suddenly your hips are a little bit more open. Maybe um, you've walked more during the day and you didn't sit in a chair. And so that means that when the time came to go exercise, you're actually better prepared. We didn't have to waste a lot of time opening up your hips and making sure you could squat because those things were moving all day long. After the exercise, one of the big sort of opportunities where we can expand people's understanding of their practice is that we need you to manage that adaptation to stress. Stress is the exercise. The reason we train is because it makes us weaker. It makes us slower. It makes us tired. And then our bodies say, well, we can't have this and we have this adaptation to exercise. But what it's not the exercise that's the magic, people. It's the adaptation response to the exercise that's the magic. But if you don't manage that adaptation correctly through movement and decongestion and fueling and rest, guess what? You and I eat the same apple, but I digest the whole apple. You only digest a bite of the apple. Apple is allegory. Of course, you digest the apple. The key here is I want you, if you're going to go through the trouble of eating the whole apple, what can we do to so you have access to the whole apple? Well, it turns out, for example, moving more after a lunch workout, or if you work out in the morning, but you can be sit a sitting desk and not at a sitting desk, but at a standing desk, leaning against the bar stool, standing, fidgeting, you can be managing that congestion clearing lactate, moving, not just becoming a stiff piece of cardboard, right? And that really starts to mean that, hey, maybe that hour a day looks a little different as I get older. I need to do maybe a little bit slower movement. Maybe it's front squats instead of power cleans. Maybe it's not sprints. Instead, we're going to do peak wattage efforts on the assault bike. We're going to control your range of motion a little bit, right? We do a little bit more of what we call category one movements, which are a little bit more strict variations, strict push-up, strict pull-up, back squat, deadlift. Those are category one movements versus full snatch, 
right? Muscle ups, like those things we save when we have time and tissue tolerance and, and more. So we can still get a ton of movement in here, the essentials, but then we really look at the rest of the environment of, of facilitating a really healthy response to that. Kelly, yeah, I love it. I, 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 I could go forever. Um, I want to know respectful of your time here. Um, I, I love this conversation because I, I think you, you, you talk the talk, you walk the walk. Um, I mean, again, you're a busy guy, you know, physical therapist and author and speaker, and there's a new book coming out. I want to talk about that here in a second. Um, but, but then you have, you know, adolescent girls and I have, I have two boys. I, we missed the girl bullet right there. I don't know what it is to raise girls. I hear their pleasures. Um, I, I wouldn't know. We just have boys and they break things and, and that's what they do. Um, but I think it's I think it's harder to be a kid these days. I think it's harder to be a parent these days. Um, and and so many so many parents will just pour into their kids um, and then never take care of themselves. And you know, all of a sudden they mm. they hit 40, 45, 50, and their their bodies are falling apart and they're having issues that yeah. 70 year olds should have. And they're like, oh crap, they should have done something earlier. Um, you know, all in the name of their kid. And then their kids are doing 5,000 other things because that's what they, they're supposed to be valedictorian. And they're supposed to, you know, right. be the starting blankety blank on the varsity team and, da, 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 and do all the club thing. And it's a lot right. and it can get overwhelming, but you're enduring it and you're balancing it and you're making it happen. And well, let's say that we're not balancing it. Let's say that this is a pendulum where sometimes we've swung way too far one direction. And then we start to swing back the other direction. And there are these moments where we're like, nailed it, as we go way forward towards the other direction of being, you know, super cooked and too busy and overscheduled. And so just keep that in mind that you don't have to play a perfect game. You have to play a good game. And, you know, one of the things that we know clearly about having well-adjusted kids is if you sit down to dinner every night. So one of the things that we ask a lot of our people and families we work with is I'm like, tell me about your family meals. And it turns out, you know, you're slamming something down your kid and you're not sitting. So even on a busy night where we've done, you know, takeout, you know, for lack of a better word, we sit down and we have a moment where we're eating together. And again, it's small behavior. Like if you take a multivitamin, cause you believe in that I do, you think a single day of multivitamins is going to make a difference to you? It's like, show me what that multivitamin does for you over a year, over, you know, and I think that's always fundamentally at opposition to the way our brains are worked, which is inputs and outputs, right? You know, increased wattage, increased poundage, increased performance. But this game we're playing is about aggregating consistency for months, weeks, years, decades. And parents all of a sudden hit a, some back hurts, sleep, hair falls out, skin looks awful, get a blood panel that scares you. And what we find is I'm like, Hey, it's not that two week juice cleanse. That's going to put you back on the track. You know, let me just say this in a way that everyone can hear it. It's not consistency for one month or three months. It's consistency for three years for, for your entire middle school, high school, college experience. So what we need to do is make this super attainable, make it crystallized simple for people to have consistent behaviors a long time. My kids have been lifting weights in micro doses in our gym, in our, in our garage for over a decade. It's not an accident that they have better foot pressure and are a little bit more durable than the average bear. You know, they know, you know, my kid, Caroline loves to do handstands. She loves it. She is a tank. Let me just be clear. You've never seen a 5'10 girl flip upside down and do handstands. She's a tank. But guess what we do? In between, we mess around with handstands in between front squat sets, you know? So what we have to do is start somewhere and then continue to control what we can control as long as we can control it. And if you as a parent are listening, what I'm saying is stop drinking during the week. Drink on the weekend, right? That what you'll find is that, man, you've had a little more energy and you've slept a little bit better. And those things start to aggregate. And that starts to be very, very real set of behaviors. I appreciate that you're trying to self-soothe and hit the brakes, but you're going to need a different set of tools because the thing that you're doing in the moment isn't serving you for the next 20 or 30 years. 
I think alcohol is proof of God, God's intelligence and human ingenuity. Like a glass of wine is not the limiting factor between you going to the Masters Olympics and not. But if you're using that tool or THC or amen or food or, or TV to self-soothe, we've got to have a different set of tools. That may be a hot bath. That may be soft tissue mobilization. That may be reading a book under a dim light. That may be sauna. If you can afford a hot tub, you're just going to need a routine to help you hit the brakes, just like your kids need a routine to hit the brakes themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Kelly, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Book. Tell people about the book. Ooh. Well, all the things we're talking about, we realize we've got to take these lessons in high performance. Everything I said, I've learned because I work in premier soccer and premier rugby and NFL and NBA. I, I work with in the highest performance environments on the planet. Olympics, you name it, we get to see everyone's dirty laundry. And we're like, hey, how does this elite military group solve sleep problems? Well, it turns out when we started walking more and forcing the guys to get 15,000 steps a day, they fell asleep earlier and they stayed asleep longer. And we're like, okay, so maybe walking is a great solution to people who allegedly have sleep problems because they're not actually moving enough during the day. So what we did is Juliet and I aggregated all of these behaviors into a cogent model where we explain how they're coupled. Our book is called Built to Move, and it's out in April with Knopf, our publisher. And this is the most important book we've ever written. It is the book that is you as a super exercise nerd could handle to hand to your auntie hand to your neighbor. It's the phys- book a physician can hand. Hey, let's get you off this blood pressure medicine. If becoming a supple leopard was missing a, what do I do day to day? How do I live a life? That's what Built to Move does. We're trying to make movement a vital sign. We're trying to give people some basic tools. And Juliet and I have come to the realization because we're working parents that you can't take a yoga retreat every weekend, dig the family and regenerate. Like this doesn't work. You know, that what you're going to need to do is we're going to need to figure out in this 24 hour window, what are the sticky behaviors? Where do you have agency? Where do you have control? And then how can you do that? So it's not one more thing you're adding on. So whether that's, you know, working on your balance while your computer or doing some eye drills during your walk or doing breath holds while you walk, there's so many ways where we can really synthesize and integrate these things in a way that you can feel different. What we don't need is another book on keto, you know, fat shredding, ab blasting workouts. We don't need another diet and exercise book. Exercise is important, but we need help on being durable because what we're seeing is fitness and wellness and health and medicine are not working. I want to say they failed us. That's the wrong phrase, but diabetes, depression, kids' injury rates, uh, suicide, addiction, choose something you give a crap about. I care about spine surgeries. Cool. Every one of those metrics is trending in the wrong direction, which means we need to be thinking differently about this notion of what we call hyperlocality, which means where is the axis of control? It is in the home. And if we can begin to shift that one family at a time, and you can take these principles and integrate them into your busy life, you'll be shocked at how durable and how resilient the human being is. I think the problem is we've been told we're super fragile and it's super complicated to get your health in order. It is not. You know, we, for example, we use this game every day in our lives. I'll use this as a final example. It's called the 800 gram challenge. So Juliet and I borrowed this from one of our friends, E.C. Sinkowski. She is the, the origin. If you search 800 gram challenge, there's tons of work on it. This has been this single diet intervention that has had the greatest impact on Juliet and I. And again, I've seen keto, I've seen paleo, I've seen primal, I've seen carnival. I, I know it all. You're vegan, super cool. I've worked with you. But it turns out that when we look at our people eating micronutrients, the answer is no. When we ask them if they're eating fiber, no. So what we say is eat 800 grams in fruits and vegetables every day. That's your goal, 800 grams. Get a scale. If you don't know what an apple weighs, you can figure that out. A banana is not going to limit your we, – we have this thing our friends have called the two banana club. And every once in a while, you eat two bananas and you don't die. It's super weird. You know, the banana has become much maligned. So um, – what we find is that if you want to eat 
800 grams of broccoli and kale, knock yourself right out. You love to do rutabaga. You want to do apples and oranges. Super cool. You know, a pound of cherries. Listen to me, people. A pound of cherries is like 230 calories. Go ahead and eat a pound of cherries and tell me you're like, oh, I feel like diabetes. You ate 230 calories and there's no more room for crap. You're not going to eat crap because you can eat a pound of melon as a way to get to the challenge. Suddenly what we find is that instead of taking things out of people's diet, we started adding things back. If we ask you to hit your protein macros, 0.7 to one gram per pound body weight, any way you want. You want to do that with vegan protein powders? I don't give a crap. You want to do that with just steak? Super cool. Then I get 800 grams of fruits and vegetables in every day. You're going to be like, I can't eat anymore. I'm so <laughs> full. And what you've done is you've just introduced calorie control plus micronutrients, plus you gamified this because every day, guess what? You got to eat 800 grams of fruits and vegetables today, motherfucker. And you got to do it tomorrow. And you got to do it the day after that. And what you'll find is that that's a really fun way for you to build in this health. That's our example of how we approach nutrition. So if you're a vegan, vegetarian, carnivore, doesn't matter, we've got you covered. You want to eat paleo, we've got you covered. Hit these two things and then you can fuel up and down based on what you need with carbohydrate, rice, potatoes, it's all game. Beans, you want to do it with bread, I don't think a slice of sourdough bread is going to kill you. But you got to eat the 100 grams of fruits and vegetables every day. Holy cow. That's fantastic. You change it at all, depending on the body type, how big somebody is, how small somebody is? No. Oh. No. What do you mean small? <laughs> what, 800 grams? You th- oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You get 749 grams. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, what you'll see is that it's not that hard. But what we found is that people go many meals without actually eating a fruit and vegetable. We have a lot of vegetarian friends, and we're like, oh, can I see how many fruits and vegetables you've eaten? You haven't eaten any. You've eaten processed quinoa. You've eaten vegetarian-like things and, and you know, processed dogs. You're actually not eating fruits and vegetables. So if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, what we find is that those people often aren't eating fruits and vegetables. And some of our kids who are doing carnivore for diet composition or gut health are eating tons of fruits and vegetables and meat. I'm like, super cool. That's great. You know, a, th- a three-pound bag of fruit, f- mixed fruit from uh, Costco or like Trader Joe's, three-pound bag is 700 calories. Eat three pounds of fruit today and then eat all of the turkey and all of the steak and all the chicken. And let me know how that goes for you. You're going to be like, oh my God, so much food. I'm stuffed. Kelly, that's fantastic. That's If if people want to know more about everything that's going on in your world, where do you send them? Well, you know, one of the things that we're trying to really be subversive about is we think you can take a crack at making yourself feel better. You do not need to wait until the wheels fall off before you go get help. So thereadystate.com, we actually have a free trial. Download our app. Take the movement assessment. See how you're doing on your movement vital signs. And then start with play on the daily mobility sections, daily mobilizations, what you'll see is I have a 10, 20, and 30-minute follow along there. If you have a ball and a roller, throw it up on the TV, roll out with me for 10 minutes, and that's 10 minutes of soft tissue input to restore your positions, hydrate your fascia, downregulate. You know, plus what you can see is uh, you know, we start to get consistent on that. Things are rolling. So we've got a free trial on there. Go get the app. I can, this is the app I use. This is the app that I send. If you think you don't need it, but the All Blacks need it, you're really weird. If you think you need it and the Niners don't need it or the English national soccer team or the Brazilian national soccer dude, we have these huge organizations like anti-terrorist groups are on our app (laughs) using this to solve this problem. But I know that you at home are too elite to be able to be too cool to like roll out your calves at night. So we think that this is a really interesting way in and we've done it in such a way that we made it super affordable so you can have a, a world-class physical therapist guide you through taking care of your body. If you have something in pain, go to the pain section. If you want to down-regulate, down there, you want to improve position. So it's super cheap. What we realized is we, we got enough people on it, we could support the whole system. But really, it's for 15 bucks a month. Jump in there, have go wild. And we're, and we're like, I know it'll change your life because we've seen it. The book is coming out April, builttomovebook.com. It's for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes Nobles, all the things. It's called Built to Move. 
uh, hopefully you can take your nascent emergent interest in fitness and transform the community. Because this is when people, your neighbors are like, dude, I don't know where to get started. You're like, read this, then come talk to me. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do the lift for everyone else on top. Love it. Love, we'll link up everything in the, in, in the show notes with, with, with whatnot. And, and yeah, there's the readystate.com. There's, there's, there's courses and apps and stuff for coaches and stuff for, you know, regular people. You, you can get all the, all the foam rolling, you know, gear, lacrosse balls, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. Kelly, thank you so there. much. We're trying to make it easy. Thank <laughs> you so much, man. I love, man, if we can solve, if we can just get our kids to eat a little bit more fruits and vegetables, sleep more in a generation, the system will look different, but we have to then we have to do that. Well, if kids can't get it, then we need to feed them breakfast and lunch at school. Let's do that. You know, if we, if your kids need a snack, as a coach, you need to figure out a way to get your kids a snack before they go back home. If they're, you know, that's, we can transform society through sport and through school. And this is the message. Like it's, this is the perfect context for everyone to give a crap. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Appreciate it. Listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we have for you today. If you have questions, want to chat, or are interested in seeing what we're up to between episodes, head over to Instagram and follow at lauren.rxtn and at oakstrength. Together, we are two companies committed to elevating your health and fitness. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who wants to live happy, healthy, and strong. If you really liked it, subscribe and review our Happy Healthy Strong podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune back in next week and remember to keep owning your health.